Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolfen, Gavin Shaw here, and unfortunate news for the Knicks. Josh Hart, doubtful for Game 2 with a sprained ankle after he was one of the heroes of Game 1 against the Cavs. So we're going to be talking about all the implications that comes along with that, what they're missing on defense, who might be able to replace him in the rotation, what they're missing on rebounding and how they can make up for that, uh, what they're missing on offense and how they can make up for that. Plus, we'll address some quite frankly, bizarre quotes from the Cleveland Cavaliers in after practice today. Next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Maybe you want to travel to Cleveland, get some last minute tickets there. It's a lot cheaper than New York. Uh, and we want to thank you guys for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us part of your daily routine. And if you want to be an everydayer, make sure that you hit the notification bell on YouTube and the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode because we are here five days a week. You can be an everydayer if you're here every day because we're here every day too. So we'd love to have you along with us. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site to Strickland, and you can find Strick.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And unfortunately, we have some news to report. Uh, so. The Knicks are saying now, and they it's been tweeted on the official NY Knicks PR Twitter account that Josh Hart is doubtful with a sprained ankle that he sustained in game one for game two. Uh, so that's not great. And there was some comments and reportings uh, around this today, Gavin. Do you want to present the unfortunate news before we start getting into how the Knicks can possibly look to replace the immense contributions that Josh Hart gave them in game one. Yeah. So I think, I think this was surprising because um, we both saw Josh Hart get hurt um, mm-hmm. during that game, but then he came back and hit uh, as, as we said, one of, if not the biggest shot for the New York Knicks in the last 20 years and just made play after play after play on both ends of the ball down the stretch of this basketball game. Um, but Alex, maybe you can confirm this from your sprained ankle experience. Um, what I what I generally heard, and this is not not on the medical side, this is um, what what analysts and 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 play by play guys usually say in these situations is like, all right, well, like you're good until it tightens up. Just don't let it tighten up um, during a game. And that's apparently what happened with Josh Harden, how he was able to play on this sprained ankle. Head coach Tom Thibodeau told reporters on Monday, this is all from uh, Ian Begley, the goat. Uh, check out all of his work on SNY. He told reporters on Monday that Hart only did parts of practice and that the team will see how the Villanova product is feeling on Tuesday before making a determination on whether or not he can play in the series' second game. Usually with sprains like that, it's how you feel the next day, Thibodeau said. Or Thibodeau. He said he felt fine in the game and we'll see how he is tomorrow. Um, so, Alex, uh, we're going we're gonna to go do it like this. 
you can't replace Josh Hart with just one guy, right? Normally when you hear that, you're talking about a superstar, but guess what? Josh Hart was a superstar in the Knicks first game. 17 points, 10 rebounds, incredibly efficient, awesome defense, pivotal buckets. Um, you, you, and, you, and you can't replace a guy like that all with one player. Um, if, if the Knicks could, they, they never would have traded for him in the first place. So we broke this down into four different elements of his game, um, his defense, his rebounding, his ability to drive to the rim in the half court, and his ability to attack the rim in transition. Um, I, I guess I have a fifth. Maybe maybe the two rim ones were one, but also um, his just just his play as a ball mover and a guy who always seems to make quick decisions, making the next pass. The term that draft Knicks like to use is a connector. Um, so let's start with his defense. And by starting with his defense, we'll start with the guy who's about to enter the rotation for him, and that is Deuce McBride. Yeah, and I think of all the things that you could hope to replace that Josh Hart is leaving behind, defense is maybe the most easily replicable. And that's not a knock on Josh Hart and his defense so much as it is a testament to how deep the Knicks are with point-of-attack defenders uh, this time around. Like, just Jalen Brunson obviously has his issues. You know, with that, thanks to size, whatever, he makes up for it in spades with his offensive production, so that's not an issue. But then they just have just a glut of great wing defenders. You know, they have Quinn Grimes, obviously, Emmanuel Quickly. Um, R.J. Barrett, when locked in at his best, can be a pretty great defender. And then obviously Josh Hart, who's in their normal rotation. But they have this guy in Deuce McBride, who is a really great defender and can easily step in and, and has proven throughout his first two years in the league that he could just step on an NBA court at any time and be one of the best defenders on the court. Um the questions with him really come down to his offense, um, which I, I think is the the main thing. But, you know, I think as far as the defense, like Deuce, pretty good all around. Like I was looking up some stats just to kind of get an idea, like play types we would probably see from like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. I think most common you're going to see them in isolation or as pick and roll ball handlers because that's how that's how they attacked the Knicks in game one, certainly, and how they've worked all year. Uh, Deuce is at 1.06 points per possession. Uh, on ISO defense this season and 1.04 points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler defender this year, which is not mega elite numbers, but is pretty solid. You know, those are, those are good numbers. It falls solidly in like the top, like, I don't know, 33% or so of defenders in the NBA. Uh, the Knicks are also plus 2.9 points per 100 possessions better with Deuce on the floor per basketball reference. And, Take this for what it's worth. I just thought this was a weird... This maybe plays into our next segment a little bit. I just thought this was a weird number. I, I don't know what to take out of this. It might just be who he plays with. Uh, but when I was looking at his at his on-off numbers, looking for that, that plus 2.9, uh, I also came up with the fact that the Knicks' total rebound percentage goes up 2.2% with Deuce on the court versus off. So Deuce is not a good rebounder, to be clear. He only averaged 2.4 rebounds per 36 this year, and I think his personal total rebound percentage was like 3%, which is just bad. Uh, but the Knicks, for whatever reason, seem to do better rebounding with him on the floor. So take that yeah. for what it's worth. Maybe he just is boxing out at the perimeter or something. I, I think it maybe could be because he's so solid one-on-one, -on -one, he doesn't need as much help, and then other guys aren't as out of position. That would be my my fan theory on it. Um, I guess my, my big question with him is his offense, right? Because the beauty of, of having all, all the skills we just mentioned in one player and a guy who... Um, I, I think the concern when the Knicks traded for Josh Hart is like, all right, is he, is he really going to be able to shoot threes? Well, he hit a pretty big one last game. He shot him at about a 53% rate now since coming over to the Knicks. Um, 
And that's made it so the Knicks can play him and they don't have to worry about the Isaac Okoro thing where defenses just leave him and say, all right, we're going to dare this guy to take open threes. Unfortunately, Alex, I don't think the same applies to Deuce McBride, who I do think will get the Isaac Okoro treatment. Granted, Deuce has been a better three-point shooter since the All-Star break after getting off to a really terrible start to the year. Um, Pre-All-Star break, he was shooting just 30 Oh, I'm sorry, there's 34% from the field. He was just shooting 28.8% from three on 2.2 attempts per game. Post-All-Star break, it's still not great. He's shooting just 33.3% on 1.8 three-point attempts per game. Granted, that's that 5% is a big jump, but it's not necessarily enough for Cleveland to attach a defender there. And that extra defender, when Deuce McBride is in the game, is going to be doubling Jalen Brunson, is going to be um, getting in Julius Randle's way, or at least hedging towards him. And it's going to be on Deuce to make other plays, right? If he can't hit threes, can he take one dribble in and make a couple long twos? Can he get to the rim and, and make a slip pass to a big? You're Again, you're not going to replicate everything Josh Hart does with one player, but I, I'm curious to see the extent to which Tibbs is willing to live with Deuce just being left alone in the corner if Deuce doesn't get hot and makes Cleveland pay for not putting a defender there. Because if he, if he misses a couple threes, Alex, I could see him playing four or five minutes and then getting taken out and, and not playing the rest of this game. Yeah, I could see that too. And, you know, maybe that's all you need out of him, you know, because hopefully you're going to see a better performance out of Emmanuel quickly and a better performance out of Quentin Grimes um, in this game. So, you know, if, if that's the case, then maybe uh, Deuce only needs to play a handful of minutes and the Knicks effectively run an eight-man rotation I mean, we've seen they'll certainly still have more fresh legs than the Cavs, even so in that case, because the Cavs more or less ran a seven-man rotation in the first game. They just had a couple guys uh, pop in for a quick spot of tea and then duck back out again. Uh, so uh, maybe that's all you need out of him. But if he can come in there and hit, I mean, we've seen him. A I struggle to think what the game was off the top of my head, but I do remember the one game where Deuce hit like three yeah, or I, four times. Sorry, I was, I was muted. It was, it was the Portland game. Oh, the Portland game. Yes. Yeah. He's four where for he, five from three. Yeah. Exactly. Where he hit four threes. I mean, it can happen. You know, the guy does have shooting talent. It's just mercurial at the moment. He hasn't quite found his consistency yet, which, you know, we talk about with a lot of the Knicks bench players or like guys that were getting inconsistent playing time. It's tough to find a rhythm if you're a rhythm shooter and you're not getting time to find it. Um, but if, if he can come in and do something like that, I mean, maybe he's got a chance uh, to find some time here. I'm just going to real quick throw a quick a, a couple quick numbers at the wall uh, before we take our first break and then talk about the the rebounding, which is obviously one of the biggest things here. But just a little food for thought. I don't even think this needs comment, really. But some three-man lineups, including Deuce McBride this year. Uh, Julius, Deuce, and IQ, plus 18.7 net rating uh, in 208 minutes together this year. IQ, Deuce, and Hartenstein, plus 9. In 309 minutes this year, Deuce, Obi, and Hartenstein uh, plus 6.5 in 220 minutes this year, and Deuce, RJ, and Hartenstein plus 5.1 in 290 minutes this year, which is pretty notable because RJ, as has been well noted, was the lone net negative of rotation players this year. So perhaps that's a way to get RJ going as well is to surround him with a little more defense off the bench and, and let him you know, play with the bench unit in that way and, and kind of get himself going. But uh, we'll see how it goes. I, but Deuce luckily already has, in the pre-Hart era, had a lot of playing time to kind of figure this out once the Knicks switched to that nine-man rotation and hopefully could just kind of slot in 
and find his way again. Um, but we're going to talk about some of those other guys off the bench, including Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, um, and more, and how the Knicks can hope to absorb the huge rebounding loss that will happen if Josh Hart sits out this game, which, which make no mistake is really huge. But first, after reminding you guys that today's episode is brought to you by game time and buying tickets to your favorite events. Shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And I got to tell you guys, like I have used the game time app and it's, it's pretty cool. Like it's great for last minute. I'm not a, a big planner type. Most of the time, a lot of times I'll just kind of be like, Hey, you know what? I don't really have much going on this weekend. I kind of want to go see the Knicks player, go see the Mets player, go see the show or whatever. And my wife and I will just kind of like go to the city and go see the game. And that is where an app like game time comes really in handy because they have great deals right up until the moment of the show. And they consistently beat out the other apps that you might look at on your phone uh, for tickets. So if you haven't tried game time yet, I would would strongly encourage you to do that. Game time really is the place for last minute tickets. Uh, They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Gavin, we're back to talk more. Uh, unfortunately, this is a really unfortunate topic today because I don't it's want the Knicks. To, yeah, I don't want the Knicks to be without Josh Hart. However, it's a reality that we're probably going to have to live in because the doubtful tag, for those of you that are fantasy football players, you know, uh, doubtful tag, not great. It usually means there's like less than a 10% chance that a player is going to play, um, which means that the Knicks are probably expecting that Josh Hart is going to be out tomorrow. Uh, or today, rather, if you're listening to this as it came out on Tuesday. Uh, but, Gavin, the rebounding is something that Josh Hart has really brought to this team that he really punished the Cavs with in that game one. And that as much as we talked about the defense in the first segment, I think the rebounding is easily the hardest uh, going to be the hardest thing to replace with him out. Yeah, look, I, I meant to say this earlier, but you, you can just go go super big picture on this and, and say it really simply. The Knicks on the year um, play are, are 17 and eight with Josh Hart. That's a 56 win team over 82 games. They're 30 and 27 without Hart. That's a 43 win team. You got to throw in the caveat that they didn't really know who they were the first 15 or 18 games of the season. So maybe you, you put that difference in there. The gap's a little smaller, but he he completely transformed this Knicks season. I mean, it, it is going to go down and. Credit to Leon Rose because two years ago, the Knicks won the trade deadline getting Derrick Rose. They won it again this year, finding a way, pending what happens in Phoenix with Kevin Durant, but (laughs) finding a way to get Josh Hart because he has had, like, again, like an all NBA type impact on the Knicks while just being a role guy who plays, I don't know, like 24, 25 minutes a game. So it, it is tough to replace all this, but man, we're going to try. So let's let's talk rebounding with Josh Hart. I'm, I'm particularly like, he, he's a solid def- defensive rebounder. I am particularly thinking about his offensive rebounding, where he's as good as any guard 
um, or, or even pretty much any wing in the NBA as an offensive rebounder. Um, I think they can get it from a couple different places. Obviously, uh, Mitch and iHeart, like first things first, have to do more. Um, we were going to talk about disrespectful Cavs comments earlier. There were also some respectful ones from Jared Allen, who called Mitchell Robinson one of, if not the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. Allen can acknowledge that. Mitch still needs to go out and kick his butt, right? That, that, is, that is step number one. Um, you also have to hope that Julius is a little bit healthier and a bit more explosive. We saw a couple offensive boards from him, um, including like uh, the, the biggest one of the game um, in the final few seconds off the Jalen Brunson miss. He has to double and triple down on just bullying the crap out of Evan Mobley, right? He, he has to put him under the rim over and over and over again. And you got to imagine J.B. Bickerstaff, the last 72 hours, has just been basically calling his Cavs players words that I'm I'm simply not allowed to say on this podcast over and over and over again and drilling it into them that hey it can't just be Evan Mobley it just can't it, it can't just be Jared Allen it has to be a team wide effort to rebound Julius Randle has to make it so that doesn't matter but the other factor is what makes Josh Hart so good is he gets rebounds that you don't really expect like the one play um, a guy relaxes on him on the perimeter. It was Karis LeVert, notably, um, in that game number one. Um, he was able to crash and get a rebound and a putback. So it has to be the wings as well. I look at R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes. R.J. Barrett, from a physicality perspective, Grimes in that he is an underrated leaper. And we've seen a couple of times this year where Grimes is able to go up in heavy traffic. I go back to, I know Toronto is just a team, Alex, that tortured the Knicks this year. But one of my favorite plays from um, the four-game series against the Raptors was Grimes going up in a pack a pack of Raptors is like Siakam. It was Barnes is Ananobi all ripped strong freaks of nature. And, and Grimes came out of the pack with the board. He can do it. And, and, and this is the kind of game where you want to see that big game skill from him. Um, and you put down Emmanuel quickly, also kind of an underrated rebounder. We saw him get an incredible one over Jared Allen in game one. Yeah. IQ, you know, we've seen this year, especially in his starts, you know, he, he flirts with triple doubles pretty consistently. And he did this the end of last year too. And, it's not just like he just gets rebounds just because they fall into his lap. Like he has a not Josh Hart level, but he has a pretty good sense for where rebounds are coming off, and he's he's a little more adept at the at the defensive end with rebounding, but does offer like I mean Hart is a great defensive rebounder as well and uses that to start the break. Hopefully, he could get some of that out of quickly in this game as well. I pulled just a couple interesting stats. Like I I kind of wanted to prove to myself that my eyes were correct that like quickly is a pretty darn good rebounder. And I mean, the stats bear it out again, not as good as Hart, who's literally, I have to stress again, 100th percentile for wings, like not even just for guards. Like if you put him in the guards category and clean the glass, he'd probably be like 110th percentile. Like they'd have to like make a new thing for him. Cause he's just head and shoulders above everybody in his own like height category. Uh, but since he plays mostly on the wing, they have him listed as a wing and he's like the trendsetter for wings as well. Uh, but so Emmanuel quickly this year, is sitting at a 7.9% total rebound percentage. Josh Hart, of course, super robust, 12.9% total rebound percentage. So, you know, Hart is like the elite's elite at rebounding, but quickly, solidly above average. I mean, like I, I mentioned earlier, Deuce McBride is at like, I didn't even write his number down because it was pretty low, but I think it was like 3.2% or something in total rebound percentage. And Quick sits at 7.9%. So that means that he's grabbing rebounds like, like, double the amount of time or uh, two and a half times almost as much as a guy like a Deuce McBride. 
but the offensive rebound re- re- rebounding percentage is a little more in favor of Hart, like proportionally than it is uh, for Quick. So uh, Hart is at six point nine percent. Quick is at two point seven percent. So things take a little bit more of a dip there, and that kind of makes sense, right? Because I feel like quickly a lot of times with how his usage pans out isn't going to be in position for offensive rebounds a lot anyway, because a lot of times he's kind of the guy taking the shot um, off the bench. Like he's so often the catalyst and, you know, he's actually really good at setting up offensive rebounds for his teammates, but with like floaters and stuff, because that's a very reboundable shot uh, when he gets into the paint and then throws up a floater. Those typically have a high bounce and are easy to read and everything. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. Like I really think it's mostly going to come down to RJ and Grimes, but Emmanuel quickly could offer a little extra help there. I mean, I think in general, Gavin, like RJ quickly and Grimes, like we just talked about in the recap and then in the like, what can the Knicks adjust for game two? Like shows that we just did. Those three guys were key before Josh Hart was hurt. Now they just kind of the onus is even more on them that at least one of them has to really step up here because the Knicks are going to need a lot of production filled in with Hart out. Yeah, they are going to have to replace his rim pressure um, in particular. And I want to dive into some numbers on that and give you an idea of, of just how difficult a task that is, because turns out Josh Hart pretty close to 100th percentile in that category as well. Um, but first, I got to tell everyone about our friends over at Prize Picks. Um, so tomorrow night, um, I guess in line with this, I am going to take Emmanuel quickly to have a big game. I'm going to take Emmanuel quickly over 14 and a half points. I'm going to take Julius Randle to step up on the glass over nine and a half boards. Um, I'm going to take Jalen Brunson. I think the ball is going to be forced out of his hands, so he's going to get more than six and a half assists. Um, so how does prize picks work? You pick two to six players, and they go score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. The beauty of it is you're not competing against other people. Those weirdos in their mom's basement, uh, you don't have to deal with those guys because it's just you against the projections available. And prize picks offers projection in any sport that you can watch. That includes um, all the main ones like the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, uh, PGA, all the college sports, but also soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and somehow more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $1,000 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, well, PricePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, with that, Alex, we are back to business here on the Locked On Knicks podcast. And the next element um, you have to replace um, with Josh Hart being out is his ability to finish at the rim. And that is both in transition and in the half court. So Josh Hart, really, really good at this as well. 51% of his shots come at the rim. That is the in the 94th percentile in the entire NBA in terms of frequency of attempts. But not only does he shoot them at high volume, he also shoots them incredibly efficiently. He shoots 75% at the rim. That is 93rd percentile in the NBA. All that plus his hot three-point shooting um, on the Knicks. Um, adds up to a 66.6% effective field goal percentage. That is 98th percentile in the NBA. All of the stats I just said um, are of his time on the Knicks. Um, So who's going to be part of the solution? The first guy I go to 
Um, and maybe this is a surprise and maybe it won't play out this way because he has to get his uh, playoff legs under him. But I had Quentin Grimes. Um, I think Cleveland is going to vary up their coverage in the pick and roll such that Jalen Brunson can't get to mismatches on Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell is easily because as we noted, Alex, um, he torched both of them, Garland more so than Mitchell, but he torched both of them um, with relative ease in that first game. So I think instead of someone like Karis LeVert or Chetty Osman or Isaac Okoro switching in those situations, um, they're going to hedge like they did when R.J. Barrett's in the game. The difference in this game is they're now going to hedge when Quentin Grimes sets those screens as well, which means Grimes is going to get the ball open for a second on the wing. If he has space, he should take the open three. But if he has someone, especially someone like an Evan Mobley, flying out at him to get a contest, then he needs to do what he does best. He led the NBA through about the halfway point of the season in blow-by percentage. Um, so he's going to have to do that a lot. He's got to beat his man, get to the rim, and either finish or drop the ball off to a big, which, as we know, he's absolutely fantastic at both those things. There was kind of a stretch midseason where he got out of rhythm with that, but he found his groove in terms of being aggressive and also distributing the ball. But the fact of the matter is, Alex, he's very good at the rim. He shoots 71% there. That is 83rd percentile in the NBA. He's not particularly creative, but he can fly. He's strong, and he has great touch around the basket. So I want to see Quentin Grimes active as a finisher in this game. Yeah, and you know, as we've seen too, he's. I think that he has one of the nastiest abilities to attack closeouts of anybody on this Knicks team too. Like that, just quick, quick up fake. Like he's going to shoot. That's such a dangerous proposition to begin with. That. He's so good at like leveraging that into just that quick first step and getting in. So, I mean, he could eat up whoever he wants because especially if if teams potentially disrespect him to some degree and and don't cover him as tight as they were maybe covering Hart and are, you know, if if the Cavs are going to, you know, look at Julius Randle and like double team him or Jalen Brunson, double team him and leave, leave Grimes, you know, in a position where he gets to attack and tilt the defense, like he has to take advantage of that. Now, of course, it's easier said than done, right? Because the Cavs have Mobley and Allen on the inside and they're so dangerous as rim protectors that it makes life hard. I, I sort of think the same thing applies for RJ Barrett, right? Like I feel like we need to see more out of him and, you know, you had the note, I think after, after game one of like, you know, he looked like he was kind of a little overwhelmed by the size that was presented to him on the inside there. But RJ has done a good job, you know, even at times this year of, going right into the teeth of of the defense and you know creating something at the rim or at least drawing a foul and granted you know Evan Mobley for good reason is a uh, was a defensive player of the year uh candidate this year at, yeah, as a sophomore which is crazy Jared Allen is like right there as that sort of player too so like they're not going to be as easy to bait as your average player that said like RJ strong enough and we saw like Mobley in particular is not quite there as far as NBA strength yet, I don't think. Uh, especially against a team like the Knicks, which are all just like big, thick dudes that love to run into you. Um, so I think that RJ can look to generate some stuff there too. Maybe a little different than Grimes, whereas you know Grimes, I think, needs to focus on gliding right on in there and kind of hitting a finger roll right up next to the hoop because he's got that very deceptive athleticism and leaping ability to get right into the teeth there and finish right at the cup. I think RJ's got to kind of tried to generate some contact and and start getting some foul calls going the next way, which we'll talk about some kind of stupid quotes in a second uh, from some some Cavs players, but uh, as far as fouls and stuff go, but we'll, we'll save that for just a minute from now. 
Um, but Gavin, uh, the, the next thing that could probably be considered one of the higher priorities for the Knicks to address without a Josh Hart available would be as a connector, uh, which you put down. And I'll, I'll let you lay this one out because I think this is super important. I mean, he is a guy that just is easily one of the t- – I mean, I know basketball IQ is like kind of a myth, you know, whatever, but like it, he's definitely one of the guys that sees the game the best on the Knicks and makes the right pass, even if he's not necessarily making an assist and has served as like a tertiary ball handler a lot out there in lineups with Emmanuel Quickly and Jalen Brunson, with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Like various other guys that handle the ball have been out there, and Josh Hart has been bringing the ball up and initiating, and and that's going to be something I think the Knicks are going to miss. Yeah, so I, I mean there, there was one play in last game that was just totally emblematic of this. But what, what I mean um, when I think of a connector is someone who – even before they catch the ball, they know the next person they're going to throw it to. Like that, that's how I would define it. Um, and, and there was one play that really stood out to me. Like RJ got into the middle of the lane, uh, drew two defenders, kicked it out to Josh Hart. And before the Cavs could even like fully like close out to Hart, their momentum is slightly tilted towards him. He just immediately whipped it into the corner to Randall. Randall blew by his guy who was out of position, kind of shocked at how fast the ball got there. Got a pretty easy layup at the rim. Um, so the Knicks need people to make decisions like that. I think Quentin Grimes is capable of that. I think Emmanuel quickly on the right night, because sometimes like this first game, like he gets a little bit too ISO happy and a little bit too dribble happy. And if there's one complaint I have about Emmanuel quickly this year, as he started feeling himself a little bit more, we've seen a bit less of those rapid fire decisions that I, I have come to really love in his game. Um, and I think Obi Toppin has graded it. Unfortunately, you can't really look at Obi as like the direct replacement for Hart because obviously their minutes don't really overlap. I think Deuce McBride is, is really good at it as well, Alex. Um, so all those guys can fit in and I don't necessarily have stats to quantify it, but I, I just think that's going to like against the best defense in basketball, that's going to be even more locked in, even more desperate playing at a fever pitch with their rotations, with their closeouts. Like you can leverage that with quick passes. Um, and then the other thing you need to do to leverage that is cutting hard off the ball. Like we, we saw Hart have this picture, perfect back cut. Um, and Julius Randall, um, just, just hit him, um, on the run for a layup, like guys like Obi, guys like Grimes. We saw RJ as the year went on, particularly when Isaiah Hardenstein was in the game, get better and better at moving off the ball. The Knicks are going to have to pick up a couple of easy baskets that way. And then Alex, the final way they're going to have to pick up some easy baskets is in transition where of course, Josh Hart is fantastic. Yeah. And I'll just say quickly on the, on the short roll passing and, and connecting, like maybe the unlikely hero there could be Obi. Like, I really think that he, one of his most underrated skills is how quickly he processes the game. Like he is, yep. he he is exactly what you describe as far as the ball hits his hands and he pretty much already knows what he's going to do with it at least half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen him make so many great, like, like just split decision passes where it's just like the ball hits his hands and he's already like, okay, kick over there or yeah. like, Oh, here comes a cutter. Like he'll be standing at three point line, just like whip it in there to a cutter and just perfectly find them on their way to the hoop. Like, Hopefully he and RJ and and quickly are are ready to kind of yeah you know, gel together doing that. And, and if the Cavs, as as I just said, like if they're doubling the ball, like you're going to get those four on threes. And and last mm-hmm. game Brunson didn't really like there, at least there's one play in particular he didn't really trust RJ to do that to go make that decision. Like Brunson's mm-hmm. going to have to show faith in those guys, like guys other than Josh Hart, and they're going to have to pay it off by making good decisions. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as far as transition, I mean, I think. I think what really has to happen in in this game is that 
guys like Mitch, like, and I mean, Mitch already does this so well to begin with. So I don't know if this is really a note so much as just like keep doing what you do best. But uh, Mitch is going to need to try to funnel a lot of rebounds to Julius, I think. I Because I think if you can't have Josh Hart out there flying out of nowhere to grab a defensive rebound and start a break, it, you got to have someone that is extra rebound capable that can grab that board and then just start transition right away. And because that makes all the difference, especially as you noted, like against a really great defensive team, like the Cavs that are quick to run back and get set up. And like, if even one of Mobley or Allen gets ahead of the play and gets down there and gets set up, like your break is already stopped, you know, because you can't, you can't go against a guy like that one-on-one in transition. Um, So, you know, I think funnel rebounds to Julius Randle funnel rebounds to quickly who, you know, as I mentioned, like better defensive rebounder than offensive rebounder. So like see if you can get him in positions to grab defensive boards and start the break because he's really adept at that and keeping his head up. Uh, Obi Toppin kind of does that too, actually. So both power forwards that could be on the floor do have that ability, which is a really nice luxury that the Knicks have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that maybe we buried this a little too far. Like transition is just such a valuable thing that Hart brings to the team. Granted, he brings so many valuable things. It's kind of like just, I don't know, it's like picking your favorite like pizza topping. Like There's a million great things to love about, about Josh Hart uh, and the way that he plays. But transition for him gets the Knicks probably six points a game, if not more, which could be so critical Like because there's almost always one possession per game where he brings the ball down kind of does that little like hezzy around the three-point line and then goes, oh, wait, nobody at the rim. Okay, I'll see myself in. And just goes in and and charges straight to the hoop and gets a transition bucket that way, coast to coast. Or where he just utilizes his great vision and and playmaking ability and, you know, trots it all the way down the floor and then finds somebody in transition that way. So that's a big loss for the Knicks and they're going to need to find a way to to generate. I guess the biggest thing is don't abandon the spirit of Josh Hart. And what he brings when he's out there in transition, because if you start playing a slow half court brand of basketball, just because Josh Hart isn't out there, you're playing directly into the Cavs hands. And that could be the most dangerous thing the Knicks could do. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I mean, that, that's kind of what was flashing in my mind when, when you mentioned like, all right, like we want Quentin Grimes going to the rim, but do we really want him challenging Evan Mobley and Jared Allen again and again and again? And like the answer is no, like uh, maybe a lot of those opportunities, if they do come, will come in lineups where, um, just Mobley's on the floor or or like the, the few minutes when it's just Allen on the floor is when it's both those guys. It's almost like, all right, that's that's pretty much a no fly zone for maybe anyone other than Julius Randle or Mitchell Robinson or Jalen Brunson, just because Brunson obviously brings so much nuance around there. But then transition is is, is kind of the, the the time to go at it to your point when those guys aren't set up. And and you, you noted it. But man, I look at Emmanuel quickly because he got so good the second half of this year at grabbing a rebound and just kind of inexplicably just bouncing off of three or four guys like like a prime Adrian Peterson and just finding his way to the basket and, and finishing over contact and through contact. Um, so he needs to bring that because he, he didn't have a single one of those buckets in game one. And then, of course, you, you need a similar performance from Obi Toppin. He had, he had those two transition dunks, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when you think about him only playing 15 minutes and you're like, oh, wow, that translates to, I don't know, like um, like 10 points in transition or like nine points in transition, like in a normal game. Um, or, or like in a full game, um, Cleveland's going to be super aware of that. So he's going to have to do it one more time. Um, but Alex, um, oh, and then real quick, RJ and Randall, like they have to be aggressive, but also just have good decision-making because we saw 
RJ have a couple flubs in transition in that first game. And for Randall, to me, it's almost more about health with him and, and just knowing that he's ready and explosive enough to make those kinds of plays. Um, but before we wrap up, we, we promised all game long. You, you want to highlight some some dumb stuff Isaac Okoro said, or or I don't even know if it's dumb. I'm going to just call it like being like a little bit of a sore loser. And hopefully it comes back to bite Cleveland because uh, it was it was very sore losery from Isaac Okoro. Yeah, three quotes that have come out of various times. Uh, not two from Okoro, one from Garland, but just the overall belly aching of the Cavs over the fact that, Oh, we had to play a playoff game and it was a little more physical than usual. And like, like never mind that we got away with tons of stuff too. And that they basically didn't call anything in the whole game. And it was acknowledged like for both sides the whole time that like, there was nothing being called. Like both teams were getting mugged left and right. Anyway, uh, Isaac Okoro says, so, uh, these quotes came from, uh, I think, First two came from SNY's uh, Knicks videos, and then our own uh, Evan Damrell had had this from Locked On Cavs with the other quote. Uh, but so Isaac Okoro says Jalen Brunson has, quote, antics on the court that allow him to draw fouls, nodding your head back, falling on the ground when not a lot of physicality is used on you. He adds that he speaks with referees in an attempt to make them aware of Brunson's, quote, antics. Uh, then Isaac Okoro, after the Cavs were bullied in game one, now knowing that I'm able to get away with a couple hand checks and nudges, I'm just going to keep doing it. All right, so wait, Isaac Okoro, which one is it? Are you able to get away with some hand checks and stuff, and were you allowed to play physical defense? Or was Jalen Brunson flopping his way to beating you? Because I, I, I'm getting a little bit of mixed signals here, Gavin. I don't know. I <laughs> What is, what is a Coro getting at here exactly? Like, can you play a Coro translator for me? Because I'm not, I'm seeing two different things being said by the same person. I, I think, I think he's getting at that Jalen Brunson in, in literally the first 120 seconds of the game absolutely wrecked him twice on two crossovers and left him in the dust. And then a Coro uh, could not hit his shot. He had one, one nice cut in for a reverse layup, but outside of that, could not hit a shot and at certain points was scared to shoot. And now he's mad about it. Um, so, by the, uh, by the way, I might add. I might add, Isaac Okoro shot as many free throws in the first game as Jalen Brunson did. <laughs> with, with, I, I can tell you, not the same number of trips to the lane in the game as well <laughs> as Jalen Brunson. So I think this is a little bit of sour grapes, and who knows, maybe maybe it works out for them. But but this made me feel really, really good as a Knicks fan, Alex. Because this sounds like a team that knows that they're not as tough as their opponents. Maybe not even as good as their opponents. And I, I hesitate to talk this way without Josh Hart because I really do think his absence makes that big of a difference that it could swing this game. But that's what the talk sounds like to me. And if I were the Knicks, I love that they didn't say, maybe they didn't get a chance to respond to it specifically, but I love that nothing's come out on the Knicks side. Because that, that just feels like a confident team to me. So maybe Cleveland wins this game. Maybe Cleveland wins this series. But all I will say is after 48 minutes of basketball, the New York Knicks are in the Cleveland Cavaliers' heads. Yeah, and that uh, I'll give the quote that our our buddy Evan uh, transcribed here as well, real quick. Just as the capper, Darius Garland uh, says, the mentality we have here or we have to have is that we punch first and see what will happen, see if they'll blow the whistle or not, and set the tone with that. Wah! Cry me a river, Darius Garland. That's it. Uh, that's all I have to say about this. Gavin, do you have any final notes before we 
sign off and get ready for this game too. No, uh, go Knicks and uh, excited to be talking to everyone tomorrow night. We have a special guest in uh, Ariel Pacheco. I know everyone always appreciates and really enjoys when he comes on. Alex, I feel like I always, I always get the privilege of talking to Ariel. It's, it's, it's usually when you're off. I, he's, he's my go-to guy to try and get. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun having all three of us and uh, mm-hmm. excited for all of you to uh, tune in uh, tomorrow night, hopefully talking about a Knicks win next time we see you. But until then, uh, be good and we'll see you soon. I'm locked on Knicks.